Let me out! Let me out, damn you! I'm not a narrator! I'm a prisoner! Abe, I don't like to hype things too much. You know I don't like yes. to. Uh, you know I'm a yes, medium sir. hype guy. But You are medium. I was hype. so excited when you announced the topic of this particular mm-hmm. episode to me mm-hmm. that I wrote you via email the words, Oh yeah. And then you wrote, oh, yeah. and then you wrote the same back to me, and then we did that for an hour. <laughs> we just yeah, kept yeah, writing. We just did, oh, yes. oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, over speed. and over. Oh yeah, oh, let's yeah. do some lines of 1994 speed. Yes. It, oh well, it's the line for every great action film, right? Uh, yeah. This was. How you? Uh, uh, you're gonna. Yeah. You're gonna. You're gonna set me. You're gonna plant it right now. Huh? You're gonna plant the flag on this bit. You're going in for it. <laughs> no, no. All right. I want you to keep going. You're doing a great Abe job. Abe wants man. you to. Abe wants you to know. All of you, audience. Abe wants you to know. I had never seen this movie until literally three hours ago or four hours ago, <laughs> which is absolutely is true. I had never seen it before. Uh, in 1994, when this movie came out, I would have been 13. Uh, probably, maybe, yeah, thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and my parents would definitely not have let me see a see an R rated movie. Uh, and so by the time I could see R rated movies, this would not have been the action movie to see. Uh, so mm-hmm. I never watched it. So today in nineteen <laughs> today in two thousand twenty, when I watched this movie for the first time, Abe. I fucking loved this movie. I loved it. I yeah. couldn't believe how much I liked this movie. It, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's... <laughs> that It tickled me... It tickled... Is, this is an intro, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> have we done the show intro? This is the have only we intro we're gonna get. Because uh, I don't... This is what we're getting. I don't do retakes. <laughs> uh, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> just like you just one direction this is all you, const- that's faster right. that's right one direction never slow faster. down never slow that's down that's what we're talking about here uh, uh can i just say yeah. also abe i i knew a lot of the premise of this i knew the mechanics of this movie watching mm-hmm. it uh watching it i was struck by hey this is a fucking good idea for a movie like like <laughs> I, you know what i mean like i just like everything about this it's was a- like this is a good fucking movie like it's very See, good. I think it's an it's a great movie. It's an absurd ass premise. Doesn't matter though. Doesn't matter. That's exactly right. Totally great. Y- yep. That's a podcast. <laughs> yeah. That, that's this is a spicy meatball. You this, nailed this it. This is the spiciest a meatball. You nailed it because that's kind of what we're talking about right. today. We're talking about it's an absurd. This is an absurd thing, and uh, it totally freaking works it really does i love this movie yeah. i'm glad you like this movie Let, let's i want to dig into the meaty center you know i want to kind of do a little pop quiz hot shot you know <laughs> at the end uh i enjoyed that you bothered to make that so your what intro. do you do yeah so what do so, you so do what do you do what do you do well i wrote a little essay so i want to kind of talk about some stuff great Please do that. And you can respond. This is a uh, this is a little bit more like you can interrupt me and mm. stuff. This is kind of a more laid back conversation. I don't really have like a central theme. Great. I just have a, an idea of like what I think worked in this movie. I do have a. Th- there are some things that I think people will be in, like find enjoyable that like I didn't realize that that's actually true. For example, one of the main ones being that obviously speed has three acts and. If you think about it, the three acts actually deal with the geography of L.A. Like the first act deals with the uh, skyline, uh, the sec- like L.A.'s the height, the verticality of L.A. The second act deals with the wide, lengthy spread uh, via the highways and like just how uh, like L.A.'s laid out and how it's confusing. Yep. And the third act details the little-known L.A. subway subterranean tunnels, so you can kind of get like high low you get all you know what i'm saying elevator highway subway Abe, um, you just gave me metaphor yeah. euphoria you just fucking gave it yeah. to me baby mm, yeah so that's what we're gonna do today i loved it it's not, i mean that sounds like someone wrote that down before this was a movie and was like <laughs> you know that sounds like three great set pieces for like a traditional 90s action movie right it, it sure do yeah, yeah, I think it's actually smarter than that, and it's intentional. That's my 
That's what I'm going to argue. Uh, I like, so there's, so, I'm gonna, there's so many action what? movies that don't bother to have They don't motifs. need to because you blow up a car and we're like, whoa, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's all, that, I mean, that's what we're paying for, right? Yeah. And here, so here comes Jan DeBont, director of Speed, cinematographer of Die Hard, which he learned a thing or two from the director of Die Hard, John McTiernan. I actually made a video about it. Uh, it's on the Small Who Beans you, YouTube you channel. Love. Where, where I talk about Die Hard. You love McTiernan. Uh, McTiernan is... And I'm going to talk about a lot of that stuff because I think it's the same thing. And... The reason I am doing it and I'm confident that I'm right is because it's not it's now not one movie, it's now two movies. And actually when you start looking at it, it's the careers of John McTiernan and to some extent Jan DeBont. I, I just wanna um, this is the point where I think it's important to, for you to acknowledge Abe. You love McTiernan so much. You love him with your whole McTiernan heart. McTiernan is the king. Yeah, you love him. Oh, yeah. I love everything about yeah. John McTiernan. Well, I don't know. Maybe not everything. I shouldn't make a hero out of him yeah. as we're making heroes out of people. That's not a good thing. I don't suggest anyone do that because who knows? John McTiernan may I like, believe he went to jail know. at some point. He, you might want to look he, into that. Did he? <laughs> yeah, I think and he, he probably did. like doesn't like like Filipinos or something. Like he probably <laughs> has like some weird some shit weird that's going to come out thing. in 10 years. Yeah. And I'm going to look back at this podcast and be like, God damn yeah. it, John McTiernan. And people aren't going to be, so good. they're not going to be mad at him for it. They're going to be mad at you for can liking mad him. At me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. what's going to happen. They're going to be like, <laughs> that's the point. Can you believe it's Abe liked me. this man? Uh, yeah. This is about me. Right. Uh, walking around in like a satire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. John McTiernan is a great, uh, director in my opinion. I also like how he talks about movies. He, he, uh, if you ever like, if you ever want to get like real turgid for film, uh, watching interview with John McTiernan, he makes filmmaking sound sexy as hell. Mm. Like sexy as hell. Yeah. Like he's talking, he's setting up those shots, baby. <laughs> you know, like he's, <laughs> he's just, he's, well, he's just a cool customer. Is he just breathy? like, doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And he's just talking about the way he makes movies. He's getting breathy and like you know that? What? Is he, he's getting breathy he like that? He kind of does. Wow. He kind of does talk like this. Wow. Yeah. He kind of talks like I don't. I don't know. I, it's just how we did I it. I haven't been under uh, his spell yet. I guess. Uh, I yeah, guess I need to and, do that. Uh, especially when he's talking about Die Hard, because we all know Die Hard slaps. And so he's just. He's like, yeah, I'm talking about sympathetic dolly motion. You know, he's talking about the speed here, the same speed as there, because I wanted the audience to feel like when that cut, you're still going on the same journey. So I kept the directionalities the same. You know, he's like doing that stuff, and uh, <laughs> and we, it's just like, oh dear. Meanwhile, my God, Abe this is man sitting, knows his craft. <laughs> Abe's sitting home alone with a towel, just uh, yeah, just exactly. just watching the whole exactly. thing. Yep, <laughs> that's what you're doing. That's right. Yeah, die hard indeed. <laughs> uh, all right. Wow. So um, yeah, speed. Yeah, speed. speed. Let's do lines of speed. Yeah. Uh, it jumps from like locale to locale at a 50 mile an hour bus jumping a football field speed. Yes, it sure <laughs> like does. Yeah, it sure does. It like, there's so many events that happen in this movie and you forget about them. And then you, re you remember them and you go, oh, shit, that's in that movie too. Like, oh, I totally forgot about, they run over a baby carriage. Yeah. Oh no, it's not a baby carriage. It's full of cans. You know, it's like, there's just a bunch of stuff being thrown at you, especially at act two. Um, where it's the bus stuff. And guess what? Uh, you put some expert craftspeople in a room with a script and they're going to find out a way to make it engaging and make the shots flow with the spaces that they're... Like either they determine this is how I want it to flow and they find the space or they find the space and they say, you know what, this is the visual strategy we use. I think it kind of is this Ouroboros thing. Uh, and it's also, I don't have the details. I wasn't there on like location scouts and production meetings, but I think this stuff was talked about. Uh, so you'll know, to, so I'm going to talk about the tricks that they employ in each of the three acts and maybe why they did it. Yes. I, I, I... Also as a freebie, I'm going to talk about camera and moving objects uh, in camera to manifest the feeling of momentum. I think that you can't do a podcast on speed without mentioning how this movie moves. Uh, surprising no one whatsoever. Jan DeBont uses speed to make speed. <laughs> neither, neither can Abe make a podcast without freebies. <laughs> Just like Johnny Appleseed with his free ideas. <laughs> 
That's, hey, I'll, I'll let you have that one on the side. That one. You didn't come fell here off for the truck, so to speak. <laughs> you didn't come here for the moving camera ideas. Use That's that extra. One at your next party. <laughs> next party that we'll never ever have. Great. Yeah, just like you walk into a party, and you're like, you know, Jan de Bont is the speed. And they're like, get the hell out of here! <laughs> get out! He's like, no, no. So yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. This movie's absolutely insane. Right. It's to the point of like comical how many things they throw at us. Like they casually in the first like two minutes of the bus sequence, he's ripping off car doors with a bus. Yes, he is. <laughs> like he drives up next to the bus and hits the brakes and lets the car door smash. Like that is great already. You're like, all right, this is a good start. And then you get, like I said, the baby strollers. You jump over unfinished highways. Subways get derailed. All of the events in this movie are spectacular. They're like, there's more set pieces in this movie than most 90s actions movies. 100%. Which is saying something. They, they have three speeds in it. Like, literally, there mm-hmm. are three speeds. There's the elevator speed, the fucking bus mm-hmm. speed, and then the subway mm-hmm. speed. And, like, I think the bus would have been enough for a great movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they they have to do it because it's got to go faster. Yeah, yes, and correct. Surprisingly enough, the uh, well, I guess surprising no one actually uh, to to stop it to stop the movie, you just have to slow things down. <laughs> <laughs> That's my other strategy that I we're going to talk about. I, I, I can see your fucking smile. I can already see it. Yeah, you can. Your little smile. Yeah, you can. Uh, actually, I do want to say though, um, it's. It's so absurd that it almost made me want to talk about how Sandra Bullock grounds this insanity mm-hmm. with her performance because she's killing it. Like, uh, like she's this talkative, relatable every woman who makes the movie work, in my opinion. Like, the baby stroller sequence that I referenced is a great example. She freaks out when she hits that baby and she's like covering her mouth. And I imagine that's how I would respond because she's oh, like yeah. basically going, like, Oh my God, did I just hit a baby? Oh my and she's just absolutely lost it and then Keanu looks back and he's like it's okay it's just cans and she goes oh really okay okay and then she's just back into it baby (laughs) and it's just like that is the that is the speed you have to kind of exist to like be in this movie and be a real person is you just have to take it in stride and she does it so perfectly yeah. and is the only one who really does in this movie everyone else is like a caricature or keanu i guess he's also a caricature she's of a, keanu reeves she's shorthand basically for the whole bus's reaction in some ways she's the whole bus yeah and exactly because just like a couple quick things because that's prompted in me yeah uh it this there's a reason why she became such a big star uh and her ability to make a lot out of a role that's not a lot which i would say this role is not a lot and she made a lot out of it yeah, uh, she killed it. That's impressive. And also, uh, the midpoint of this movie, which is when they do the swap, you know, when they swap, they, they put the injured driver on the back of that butt, on the back of that tr- flatbed truck, and then that woman tries to jump mm-hmm. off and it blows up. Sandra Bullock mm-hmm. is the reason we care about that because she has yeah. a very complex and totally believable human reaction to it. Uh, mm-hmm. That was, it, that they do explain, but it's uh, very good. Very, very good. It's very good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, um, last last other thing. Is that baby stroller a Battleship Potemkin reference? An homage? It's got, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't want to get like too the, far. Yeah. I mean, honestly, at this point, I feel like there's a few things in Battleship Potemkin, which is like a, shit, I can't remember. It's been so long. Like 1919 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, very early. Silent film. Yeah, I believe it's Polish or something. Um, I think it's Russian. But, like, yeah, it. It's Russian. I believe okay. so. so yeah, and it it shows a um uh a baby stroller going down stairs. stairs. Yes, called the like, Odessa in, Steps in a, in a like a outside courtyard, and like it's slow motion as it does it. We don't see the baby; we see the stroller, and you see the mother like screaming in slow motion, like really slow. You see people trying to run after it. It's like a very engaging. Uh, scene about like the tragedy that befalls like this town and um, it's been redone by the untouchables did it like there's a ton of references to it I think Edgar Wright did it in space like people just bring it up because they're like ah we like movies you know and it's like a well-taught 
sequence, if you didn't know. I'm sure people are already like, yeah, yeah, it's just like the Wilhelm. It's, you know, yeah, just it a is reference. actually even more ubiquitous than the Wilhelm scream somehow. Uh, uh, yeah, it's in a lot. It's in a lot of things because it's louder. It's louder. Yeah. but Wilhelm is everywhere. It's, it's true because it's easy. Correct. It means, you can sneak one in. Um, but yeah, anyway, especially because how do you even find a baby stroller like that in 1994? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it literally looks like an old timey yeah. baby stroller. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's right. I, I just really appreciated uh, how you said it's cans. Uh, thank you. Well yeah. done. <laughs> it's okay. It's just it's cans. Just cans. <laughs> I love Keanu. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the big theory yeah, yeah. Uh, that I really want to unpack, which is uh, how this movie represents LA ge- geographically, uh, and like even though the inside of the bus is doing the heavy lifting, like you mentioned, in terms of getting to the LA people, uh, I think Yonda Bont and company do a very good job of giving us visual strategies. And I'm a longtime proponent of this. I think there's some element of some conscious that happens here when you do things with lines and um, like just when you think about a frame and you think about its composition, lines leading to different places say different things. Maybe like, for example, I could show you a series of cards and the cards have on them like vertical lines or horizontal lines. And I'll show you a bunch of cards. I'll show you, here's a, like, let's say I showed you five vertical lines in a row, and then I show you a horizontal line. And then if I were to ask you, what does that mean? You would say, absolutely nothing. What the hell are you talking about? But if I give you one thing, like one piece of information, like the vertical lines are at war with the horizontal lines and show you the same thing, the same five cards in one, you might actually respond with something like, uh, the horizontal lines are fighting back. I don't know. You know, like it's giving you context to how you're watching it. And that's kind of what speed's doing with its vertical and horizontal lines. And the reason that I think this is because the verticality and the horizontal lateralness of the acts themselves and this and where they take place. Um, <clears throat> I'm fascinated by this. So you're, you're going to argue that the direction that the lines point has emotional meaning because of where they are. I, I in the screenplay, it also builds this subconscious kind of feeling of like, oh, this is a new space, or oh, this is like I need to be looking up and down a lot. For example, in the elevator sequence, yes, which makes sense. Right, of course, that's how an elevator moves. Right. So your eyes are constantly scanning. We know these tricks uh, through filmmaking and just studying how people watch films their eyes scan up and down we have vertical lines or horizontally that like blends into the background it feels flatter um i'm going to reference a guy that we both took a class from bruce block yep uh in this as well um and he kind of lines that out uh i'll i'll get up more on that later as we get into the specifics um People. Another important thing that I want to say is that camera lensing is super important to this movie because the conventional wisdom uh, is that you shoot action in the wide, meaning like lenses in like a 20 millimeter to like a 40 millimeter or I guess like 50 millimeter range. Even 50 is like that's not wide anymore. That's middle length. Um, yep. The concept in the. 90s of the action adventure blockbuster is this concept of middle distance became like in vogue um the reason i think is because of specific people like michael mann john mctiernan michael bay tony scott uh they were like shoot it on like a 40 millimeter instead you got a close-up maybe let's shoot it on a 70 they're getting longer with the lenses I have a theory on why that's true. I think it's because a lot of these people came from music video and advertisement mm-hmm. and ads like to compress space and they use lenses that like cause the space to compress so that you get a more flat image and a more, and a that more attractive product presentational. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of something that's wider, which I think people think of cinematic uh, is the word that people will often use. But really what they're meaning is that like you feel drastic movements close to camera. So that's why conventional wisdom would say shoot it in the wide, because if my arm were to move in a wide shot, uh, it would move more drastically. 
uh, and exaggerates these movements, the lens that is smaller in camera motions will be exaggerated. So why would they choose to do this? Well, I don't know, but they did. And it kind of became the look and feel of the nineties film grammar wise, uh, about the, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm also only going to talk about action sequences. Not like, let's not talk about like the, um, conversational scenes that uh, so he kind of did more tra- yeah he did more traditional coverage for like when they're talking i'm talking about like set pieces like when the bus is smashing into stuff when it's driving around uh and like swerving anyway well, i mean that's one of the things that's kind of a miracle about the movie in general is that like mm-hmm. there's only like one or two dialogue scenes that isn't in the middle of an action sequence yeah exactly so it's kind of blended yeah together but i mean like shots of people's faces like yeah, yeah. all right this he's is got medium close-ups everywhere yeah. uh yeah yeah exactly and that stuff is less like it's where my theory falls apart because it's not really why you wouldn't do that like maybe you would for a different movie I, but not I, I, for most of the for a blockbuster in the 90s not really i mean i don't um, know what else you can do with this it's like something has to give to make this premise work mm-hmm. so i don't know i think it mm-hmm. still holds your your argument Okay. Uh, yeah. So here's an experiment everyone can do at home. Pop in the old VHS in your VHS player mm. and watch the first 15 minutes of speed and look at the backgrounds. Just do this experiment for me. Because almost every shot has a background with strong vertical lines. The cameras themselves boom up and down to reveal bombs. The elevator descends up and down in the shaft of this very tall building. Even the shots of the exterior are shown looking up at the th- at a three-dimensional vanishing point. Like we're on ground street level and we look up at the uh, skyscrapers of LA, which is kind of interesting because this is something that LA isn't always known for, but like in a pinch, one of the reasons that LA can kind of work for like parts of New York or other towns is that there are skyscrapers here. Um, yeah. It's a part of the skyline. It's just such a wide vast city that you don't really have to just talk about downtown. In fact, most people don't because Hollywood is where like the quote unquote action was in the, you know, fifties to now. now. But there, but there Um, are like 10 or 15 city blocks that look exactly like New York from ground level. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I think this is like, it's still borderline. Like, I'm not sure if it was intentional, but I think it is because like, Again, conventional wisdom tells us that if you look at it like a skyscraper shot or like a city or something like that, usually people get into a you know, helicopter and shoot it. And it's not like they couldn't. They had helicopters in this movie. They shot from helicopters all the time. Mm-hmm. Most of this bus stuff, exterior-wise, is shot from a helicopter. But when you look at the actual framing, they chose to use a three-dimensional kind of three-dimensional perspective, like a vanishing point. Uh, to make these skyscrapers look enormous to us and also to give that up down verticality I remember that 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 uh, establishing shot tilts up yep um, security cameras in this section are like featured ve- like a lot in fact in movies they're almost always the same shot which is a shot in the corner of a room a bus an elevator shaft which looks down upon the unsuspecting elevator patrons while they're stuck so once again we have this kind of weird oblong kind of presentation of the lens through oh that the eye line it's too high it's looking down upon them uh dennis hopper when he is in a different elevator shaft to like orchestrating all this stuff um the you know the bombing of the other elevator car uh he he shoots up and down at travin and temple played by jeff daniels and keanu reeves uh so the cop criminal relationship is also has this kind of relationship they're always someone's up top someone's down below that becomes bigger later and if you've seen speed very important in act three when they're in the subway uh when, when they repeat in that. general yeah they basically repeat that time exactly now. yeah uh islands are typically not just left and right but up and down this is something you can also look for we see it when dennis hopper takes jeff daniels hostage they all three exist in the same plane but for one reason or another and i'm arguing it's the like the thesis that i haven't had yonda bont chose to shoot it very dutched and down and up like it's the cameras above one guy's head cameras below another guy's head Usually when we shoot sequences, even action sequences, think of like Born Ultimatum or any James Bond, 
you kind of keep it at eye level. Why? Because that's where most movies play. And because it's not it's this easier one. to relate to characters when you're at their eye level. Yeah. Now in Act Two, that's going to become convention mm-hmm. again, but not in this sequence. So flatter angles in the whole elevator sequence will also Dutch, which is a term yeah. most people I think know that just tilting the camera slightly. And the reason that they do that is because when they have like a wall that has no like vertical lines, like every other wall in the sequence, like when he doesn't have one, uh, it gives this natural tilted perspective and makes those flatter shots feel more vertical. Like he's literally making horizontal lines more vertical and as a filmmaker you choose the space for a purpose like i'm going to shoot in this room but even the best locations where you go oh this the courtyard is amazing and then okay and we need to shoot that on the day so we go into and we shoot where the elevators are and then you go to the elevator space and you're like ah this doesn't work for my visual strategy so what's a good way to get around that well when you have a less than ideal background for your visual strategy just do it in camera um, yeah, I mean, he, that's enough about it, Act One. He never, so he never, uh, I like you never see that kind of sloppy camera work, and I'm gonna put sloppy in quotes anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like it's clearly what you're saying because, like, yeah, uh, he's pretty tight and controlled with his camera stuff from this point on in the in the film. Uh, yeah, and I think it's just because like. Even though they're definitely not in an elevator shooting, like they're definitely not doing that. Uh, it's a studio. It, well, yeah. of course, because if you use a real elevator, it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, and also, you can't fit a person in there and shoot in a, any elevator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nightmare. So every elevator scene you've ever seen has been shot on a studio with a fake elevator. Uh, take it from a guy who learned that the hard way. But like, <laughs> so so he is designing the elevator. Yeah, you remember that film. He is designing the <laughs> elevator, but like he can't really make an elevator not be an elevator. You know what I mean? So like, this is his compromise. Uh, well pointed out. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, just so everyone kind of knows, I want to keep tracking you on to bonds, like career up to this point, because this is his film. This is directorial debut. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. Can't believe that. You know what he did after this? I didn't look him up, but I'm excited for you to tell me. Twister, baby! Wow, <laughs> wow, that's yeah, two huge rules. hits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but like up to this point, he made a movie with Paul Verhoeven in 1983 called The Fourth Man, and then he and he also made All the Right Moves with Michael Chapman, uh, and then he kind of made like he he kind of kicked around for most of the rest of the 80s until John McTiernan was like, that movie, that guy, get me that guy. <laughs> Uh, the man who shot fourth man, that's, who's going to shoot die hard. And from that point on his career just like took off. Interesting. Um, yeah. Any, anyway, I, I just think that that's kind of, maybe the man has a different, uh, version of history. Of course he does. Cause he lived it. But like, uh, that's kind of just for the rest of us, that kind of seems like how it went. And I think it's because he's doing stuff like that. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, Kind of like your drive episode, he's constantly trying to think of a way to make like what's there on the script come alive in a very interesting way. And I think he does it in a very technical way uh, because I think John McTiernan kind of rubbed off on well, him. What's interesting to uh, me is like his list of films as a DP is incredible. Like yeah. he, he did yeah, he's, Basic he's, Instinct. He's a great DP. He did Flatliners. Yeah. He did The Hunt for Red October. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Yeah, he works well in any space yeah. is the other thing. Yeah, he's he's good in tight spaces. He's good in wide spaces, which I don't know if like that's probably not as true anymore, especially with the advent of like uh, cameras that are a lot easier to move around and stuff. But like there were people who were in the 90s uh, and before who were no like John Toll. Oh, Mr. Daylight Exterior. You know, like John Toll. I shot Braveheart. John Toll. You know, like these guys they didn't get much they didn't they weren't like a like they wouldn't shoot like all the president's men or something like that you know they wouldn't shoot in closed spaces as much i mean a lot of a lot of cinematographers do branch that but those are the greats there was like a kind of um you know like you're know your role know your lane and yana bond is definitely not one of them no. as a cinematographer he definitely could shoot anything yeah um so yeah 
Let's talk about Act 2. Cool. So the idea here is that it's like you got a bunch of vertical lines in the first 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then you got a bunch of horizontal lines that just it doesn't even all like start to slowly crop up or anything. It's like act two starts. We're now all horizontal lines as your backgrounds. It's crazy. Uh, if I said the words, let's do a little experiment and you can do this at home, but I can't hear you. Uh, if I were to say the words fast and horizontal, fast horizontal about a shot in speed, I could be wrong, but you might think of the shot of Keanu and Sandra Bullock sliding under the bus on the bus bus hatch in each other's arms. Uh, was I right at all about that? Because I think <laughs> please write fast in. and horizontal. Please write in and tweet to Abe huh? about whether he was right. All of you, please tweet Abe about <laughs> is Abe right? Please tweet that. Yeah, but like I don't know. It 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 feels to me that that's like a very memorable shot. Yeah, and the reason I chose that is that. Uh, it's good to keep in mind because I think it it's, uh, exemplifies exactly what he's doing in the sequence. So let's kind of like start to pick apart what he's doing in the sequence, and I'll come back to that shot. So if up and down lines, up and down camera movement, up and down sub- subject movement play big roles in Act 1, Act 2 is about the highway, speeding through the length and breadth of the 10 freeway, which is what they actually use to shoot the movie. In the movie, they actually call it uh, the 105, which is also a highway in L.A., it's very confusing, <laughs> but only yeah, if you live in LA. I couldn't figure out what, yeah, what exact freeway, freeway they were on, because yeah. the 105 yeah, is about the, 10 miles south of the 10, although they run parallel. Yeah, exactly. They run, yeah, exactly. So they're go- So it's the 10 is like the big, like the biggest, uh, LA's largest east-west freeway going from downtown Santa Monica. Uh, yeah. So anyway. It is insane. It's not every shot, but if you're watching Act 2 with the horizontal directionality in mind, it's insane. It, I, it's it got to be intentional. Um, the horizontal barriers that enclose LA freeways give us a nice, strong horizontal background on almost all the lateral shots of the bus. Like, because you get the, the, like the street whizzing by with the lines of the, uh, on, the, on the road. You get the curb a little bit and the, the little... Uh, that little part the, where you you drive off when you're getting yeah. pulled over. What is that the called? Off-ramp. Turn the off ramp. Turn off or whatever. Yeah. yeah, the off ramp. Yeah, and he's looking at those to make those all horizontal. That's how he positions camera. Yeah, he really for almost stuff a lot. He flattens yeah. it. Is it, in this sequence he flattens stuff a lot. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> yeah, there's a lot of swerving done in the movie. Uh, by the bus to especially in the beginning when the bus they realize there's a bomb because they are in traffic and they have to like scoot around people uh, to stay over 50 and this is mostly done the camera they position the camera front or behind the uh, the bus in order to make it so that the camera pans left to right as the bus speeds from lane to so lane. So it creates a horizontal something line. They, it like creates one. It creates a horizontal yeah. orientation, yeah. not through lines this time, but through motion. Uh, the bus itself, when we look at like shots of the side of the bus, have strong horizontal steel beams. I think they chose this bus in particular because it's not an LA bus that looked like an LA bus in the nineties. I actually found out what buses look like in the nineties in LA. They do not look like this at all. They look more like what we like the buses of LA today. Uh, look I like was su- in almost any, I was town. surprised about the design of the bus f- for it's that like a reason. Greyhound. Yeah. It's like a Greyhound and it's like from a different time. Exactly. Uh, like it's definitely created for the movie on purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. It's also kind of a muted color. That's mm-hmm. uh, th- that's just some surprising things, like because it's not super chrome. No, it's not. Yeah, and as like, a person who saw the cover box about a billion times but never watched the movie, I just assumed the bus would be some kind of a bright color, and it's not. Uh, right? No, it's a dull gray that is. It's actually supposed to be chrome, but I'm pretty sure they treated the whole bus to make sure it wouldn't gleam yeah, from the it sunlight. It would reflect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because so they 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 scuffed it. That up, makes sense. I think, and that's that's a whole thing. You have to that someone has people have to they do have to make that. brushed steel <laughs> to, on the side of that. They have to grease up. They have to grease up. Uh, like 
grease up a bus with yeah. some like well you gotta scuff marks you gotta and grease stuff. up a bus or it doesn't look good on camera yeah it's like <laughs> i forget what they use it's some kind of like waxy kind of material that is like um, amazing i just it, yeah it's like waxy but it's like super like i don't know it's it's matte color right it's like it feel it doesn't reflect light it sounds it, um, it sounds like it, that simpsons joke right we're like dogs don't look like dogs on camera you got to tape a bunch of cats yeah. together uh <laughs> i don't even know if that's a joke but they do a joke like that <laughs> you know like so, <laughs> so the aerial shots uh from the helicopters as i was kind of alluding before they typically don't approach or follow the bus kind of like the swerving you know had their strategy for that to make it left right left right the aerial shots force from up top it makes it look da- they look like straight down on it and the reason they do that because they want to make the highway concrete look like a canvas and like the the rivets and the lines of the highway themselves which are whizzing past cuz we're going 55 miles an hour create a single line you know it's just an aspect of the shutter speed right it just creates this long yeah. it has a sense that it's moving but it's this long tube and so he shoots intentionally aerial shots that aren't typical. It actually looks a lot like um, O.J. Simpson's chase scene. I know, scene, man. It was haunting. Which is crazy because that happened like two weeks yes, after this movie came out. It was haunting. I couldn't believe it. I was like, dude, yeah. this must have happened before because there's no way they would have put it in after. Yeah, and it's just kind of how you – like it's news footage yeah. of how you do it. It's not conventional – Flying in a helicopter, use all parts of the helicopter. Right. So, like, you got to fly up, you got to fly in, you got to fly back. You, like, you're changing perspective. None of that. He's just like, nope, it's basically just a crane. I'm using a, I'm using a, a helicopter as a crane that just glides through the freeway along with the bus. But it, um, and that gives the effect of making it look like a canvas of all horizontal it lines. It does. It you also, know? like, you can't undersell how much realism those helicopters bring to this movie. Like, Oh, it's the editing. That's a whole other thing. It's editing. And it's also like, look, if you, if you lived in LA, you watched this on the regular in the nineties, right? You watch people speeding through traffic. Mm -hmm. So like a movie has an obligation to capture that. And cause we were getting the real McCoy often in downtown, Mm -hmm. like, you know, just chase scenes and stuff. And this movie Mm -hmm. nails that. Uh, And also Mm -hmm. nails it as you're saying from an unconventional angle, like the helicopters are not directly overhead very much. Um, Mm -mm. They're usually kind of back and behind, which also creates that sense of horizontality, you know, which is, it's more diagonal in that case, like with the OJ Simpson footage, but it is similar, right? It's not, but it's not flat and overhead, which is how we're all used to consuming Mm -hmm. this. Uh, yes. Anyway, yes. Uh, you're going to make points about that, so I don't need to distract. <laughs> There's a moment I wanted to pick out, which, because if you watch it and you're going to watch this, because you're all, this is homework, everybody. <laughs> Go do work. Um, work for it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first time Keanu uh, tries to slow down the bus once he's gotten on the bus, uh, or sorry, before he gets on the bus, we see him in that sports car. If you remember, Tune Man. <laughs> The two oh, man, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, his his uh, little uh, license plate there. Uh, he peels right in front of the bus. And my other thing I love about this movie is it just Keanu Reeves' character is just a maniac. He's just constantly he doesn't question or at, he doesn't ask questions and he doesn't give answers. He just does things. And one of the first things he does is he takes over a car and then immediately peels in front of the bus just to make it to s- try to stop. Yep. Now. Uh, these shots, we bring back the verticality. If you watch, like, there's like eight shots that are cut back and forth, something like 18 shots in the sequence. When this occurs, uh, there aren't that many horizontal lines. And it's because, like we find out in the movie, <laughs> the strategy that works against Dennis Hopper, aka the Joker, I guess, because he really is playing like he's a Joker. Doing, yeah, right? he's doing a great. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit, a little uh, bit like sort of a muted version of his character from uh, from Blue Velvet, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The verticality in this movie is what signals stop. Do not go forward. 
And that's the point of the movie is to make speed stop. Right. It just <laughs> and stop so, the speeds. Yeah, yeah. This is the sequence that made me go, is there something here? Why do we have windows now framing us vertically? The sports, the sports car slows down toward us. So once again, we have this camera subject moving uh, in distance at camera and away from camera, which once again is a, horse, or a vertical motion, not a horizontal one in terms of the two-dimensional frame. So in-camera motion is forward and reverse, up and down in frame. Um, it's, it's sort of yeah. like your – I mean, again, it mirrors your sort of classic hero's journey understanding, right? Where it's like in act one – Yeah, it's like very like turn this on, activate this uh, visual strategy. Right, well, yeah. and, so, and like uh, so again, in the traditional hero's journey arc, it's like in act one, the hero is in a normal world. And then they cross a threshold into a world of chaos. Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. third act is a fusion of the two. And so right. – And often – Yeah. Often in the rest of Act Two, which is most of the movie, it's right. got a like right. most action movies in the '90s. It's like almost an hour, about half, uh, a half hour, or more. ten minutes yeah. uh, of the hour and forty minute screen time or runtime. Uh, often there's these dialogue scenes in Act Two between Keanu and his fellow cops, and they drive up to the bus to relay info. Once again, it's almost like they're trying to pay attention to the. There are vertical lines in these frames. This is something we're going to talk about when we talk about Bruce Block. It's not that there aren't vertical lines. Is You have to look at the strongest lines in the frame. Right. And the vertical lines just kind of pass us by because they're like the hand railings that you have in buses. But the directionality of the shot is moving left to right or right to right. left. And it's, being, it's framing these windows which have strong horizontal lines and the vertical lines are more muted. It's just what's sympathetic to the motion what's sympathetic to the line directionality he's he's trying to make all those things feel right trying to combine like terms so you as a viewer have an experience that is like this is my expectation of where i'm going this movie feels polished why because he went to the thought of making sure that line affinity was something that your brain subconsciously would just ignore and enjoy Right. And that's one of the that's one of the ma- magic movie you, magic. That's one of the things that's you movie absorb magic. absorb it. All right, I want to talk right, about you absorb it. Act three a little bit because you kind of got the point. So I'll talk quickly about this. Unless you wanted to have any more thoughts on act two. Uh, no, I no. Go ahead. I don't want. I don't want to. All right. So in act three, real quickly, all takes place largely in the subway. We're underground. It's doing the horizontal bus thing again, but this time it's a subway car, and that's underground. I'm not just saying like, oh, it's down. It's, you know, like that. it's because it's underground. It's down. No, I'm not saying that. Actually, look at the sequence. It starts with Keanu descending a staircase to jumpstart like the action because he he sends he's got this gun out and he finds Sandra Bullock. She's got a bomb strapped to her uh, uh, chest and uh, Dennis Hopper's there with the guns and a dead man switch uh, on the uh, on the detonator. So. In that sequence, the backgrounds, so everything is saying vertical, except when he actually gets to the power struggle of, oh shit, we thought we were going to get Dennis Hopper with his pants down. Turns out he had a, all along, he knew that he could just like uh, abduct her. Uh, and now I got I got you and where I want you. Into the subway, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and so and that all happens in the the first section is the subway. Watch the backgrounds of the subway. They painted horizontal lines on the walls. Yep. They just yep. did it. It doesn't really matter. They just there were like ver- horizontal lines. <laughs> and I just think that that is like it's very clearly added. Like it's just concrete walls. No one would actually paint that. In a million years, they would actually bring like if you've been into those in subways, like they don't paint that. It's like tile, and sometimes there's advertisements, yeah. you know. But th- in LA, it's it was just concrete, right. uh, and they don't put anything on it. In fact, people would tag it all the time, and they'd have to like paint it over, and they just never did anything with it. No, they intentionally painted horizontal lines to make the horizontal motif feel alive and well. Why? Because Hopper is now back in power. Um, and so we descend diagonally, and then once we get into the subway, when once again, uh, we kind of have this 
all the tricks from Act 1 and Act 2 are kind of deployed again, where, once again, just to refresh, camera moves laterally and la- latitudinally. Is that a word? Latitudinally? Latitudinally, yeah. I don't know. The idea is left to right. Yeah. Subject moves away or toward left to right. Um, you know, like these are... They, he's basically saying Act 3 is where you pull out all the stops. I'm going to do both the games. Right. But in the crucial moment where Hopper... Basically, when... Um, Sorry, when Keanu jumps on the subway and he's on the very top of the subway, once again, kind of mimicking the initial success against Dennis Hopper in the act one where he's on top of the elevator, he's getting shot at from Dennis Hopper below in this uh, subway car. We get this verticality again. So anytime Keanu Reeves is basically a thorn in Dennis Hopper's side, we move from horizontal to vertical, if that makes sense. Yeah. But if, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you're you're doing an excellent job of pointing out a thing that I it's like I almost don't want to point directly at it because it ruins movies for people who don't want to have their movies ruined. But like, basically, every mm-hmm. visual trick that a director does uh, to establish what normal is, is like normal this. is, and then yeah. chaos is the third act is going to yeah. be a fusion of the two. Uh, or an inversion of the two. Yeah, exactly. That, that's what they do. I mean, we because you got to pull out all the hits, right? Yeah. And all, and because that's what the narrative is doing, and so your your uh, your motif to support the narrative also has to do it. We talked about this with Drive, where it's like you had the cruise, and then the you know, then the intense drive speed, and then he flipped them to create emotional meaning, but also because that's what a third act demands. It's the same idea. Yeah, you know. Now I could probably give. I I do have written down some more evidence of why I think this is all by design, just as like proof. But like, go watch the movie and make up your own decision. I'd like to take this time to actually talk about how a filmmaker uses composition and motion in foreground and background to make a film film feel fast. Now this is something I actually, I actually kind of want to get on a soapbox about, but <laughs> I, I, I I'll try Here not to go. do too much because I love yeah, it. Yeah, well. Look, I think it's a bit of a lost art. Even our tours of uh, our decade or our decades, like Nolan and the entirety of the MCU and DC universe, which are like blockbusters. So we're talking blockbusters here. They overuse editing as the main impetus for velocity in movies. And um, like if a bus were to jump off a bridge were it to happen in today's film grammar, it would be shot from multiple angles, cut at least four times into the same action. But you look at speed or there's actually a very similar shot in True Lies um, when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is pulled out of from a helicopter in Arnold's arms as a limo descends into the water. Kind of similar situation as the bus leaping over uh, the highway and speed. Um, it's basically one or two shots. It takes off and soars and then it lands. Um, it doesn't use editing to give you the illusion of speed. Do you do and you think it's because it costs more money to do it that way? No. Okay. When you're blowing up a bus, a camera isn't that much money. Okay. I'm intrigued. Uh, I mean, I know what you're about to talk about, but I'm intrigued to hear you ex- break that down because yeah. I think most people believe, and they're not totally wrong, that to it's expensive. Yeah, well, and also to see yeah. the act to see the action in one or two shots means you have to nail it and it's a big it's a big stunt that's also true uh, that's also true but but you're gonna yeah. say more about you, why in you, a minute here i mean go ahead and shoot 14 cameras at your explosion right. that you're gonna do i think that's smart but if you got it in one why do you need to cut to all you of them? shouldn't and you shouldn't Unless that's what you're right. going for, but you don't need to. It's distracting in my way. Like I think it's that we're like the soapbox part that I'm trying not to talk about a lot is that essentially I think we're using editing because of music videos. And I'll get into yeah, it yeah. a little bit later. There's a better place for me to talk about that. What I want to talk about is, uh, for example, uh, did you ever take the class at USC where you edit up gladiator footage? I think it was an editing class. Uh, I don't think we did that one. Yeah, the reason I mention it is conventionally what you do is you would put on the slate the letter that corresponded to the setup uh, for a sequence or a scene. And um, so he got up to like, you go A, B, C, D, you know, he got up to like A, G or like A, J or something like that. And it's because he had all these different cameras to basically cover the same 
uh, action. And yeah, I had some in like the stands looking at extras and yada, yada, yada. So there's reasons for different shots that he would then use to cover the scene. But ultimately, when you just look at the fundamentals of like the scene work, he got it in like five. He got on like five setups. And it's just when you watch the edit of it actually play out like the actual gladiator edit, you see how he uses all of it because it cuts like it's just mayhem of cutting. But, uh, I think that that's how they speed things up now is my point. Um, ultimately we have erred on the side of editing to engage into speed, despite the fact that you can actually cover the same kind of action and have it play out and be fine. Um, in a few shots, I personally blame like Paul Greengrass and, you know, born, uh, identity and those, that kind of era of action films. That's ultimately, I think what, uh, everyone ended up mimicking. Well, you just, you you came in with guns blazing. That's what you did. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, (laughs) I'm, I'm bothered by the, you know. I don't know. I'm getting old, I guess. I want to return back to the conversation uh, to that shot of Bullock and Reeves as they drop out and they exit the bus for the final time. And we see it. The music swells uh, and they like twist around on the hatch and they slide down the, uh, the highway. And I want to mention another teacher of ours, Bruce Block, who uh, a phrase I like to use or affinity of line is what he taught. Uh, and what that means is all lines going in same direction or they're going in essentially the same coordination. Uh, what that does to the background of shots. So what you see in this particular shot of them sliding, I'm sure you can all remember uh, if you've watched Speed, is that it's a beautiful shot because all of the background, the curbs, you know, like the lines on the highway, even the, you know, barricade of the highway are all devoting themselves to this horizontal orientation that ultimately allows that whole background to blur into obscurity. So all of your focus and clarity as a viewer goes right onto the spinning Bullock and uh, Reeves. And it's a beautiful way to just kind of pinpoint here, look here. Uh, It's beautifully done and it's done because we're kind of taught by the machine that is the movie to look for, or rather dispel in this case, the affinity of lines so that it becomes obscure. It's like this hyper speed kind of blurring that happens. And because of that, uh, it becomes a blank canvas. And that's uh, kind of one of the other powers of affinity of line. Yes, uh, it's really about directing the eye somewhere. I I was gonna say, just briefly, anybody who researches who Bruce Block is, they're going to research who he is, and you're going to find out he's the producer of What Women Want and be like, what? Uh, which he is. <laughs> which he is. He's also, he teaches a class called Visual Expressions or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the best yes, part. His, yeah, and his that class is one of the best classes any of us ever took mm-hmm. in filmmaking because it's about all the different ways to manipulate imagery for emotional effect in a story. It's awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Right. Yes. Correct. Yeah, it's kind of what you imagine film school should be because it's inspecting exactly like what does a long lens do what does a wide angle lens do how does it affect frame how does it affect uh the scenery you know it's it's trying to use the tools to evoke meaning from tactics um and it's something that like directors and what everyone needs to learn should right like basically there is no craft other i guess maybe sound design where that stuff doesn't impact you like if you want to be in production design, it impacts you big time. Directing, big time. You know, editing, big time. Like you, all that stuff. Like it all lines up having to deal with all these motifs, because if you don't do them right, they jar. You know, I mean, that's the issue. Yeah, kind of my conclusion uh, is it that it is awesome. You said that it's awesome. I know it's it's dumb and great. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I just want to kind of come bat for craftsmen once again craftsmen and women who 
yeah, this may not be a drama that would win the best Oscar, but ultimately the tactics employed by the camera team in this particular case, which is kind of what I focused on, um, and the location teams, you know, production design as well, all that part. Um, when you examine the details that they were kind of aware of before they jumped into the picture, uh, they used every part of the beast and they manipulated things like affinity line or camera lensing in order to evoke a complete picture. And I just kind of want to say, Hey, that kind of thought process goes behind that. And those craftsmen and women who don't win awards often are overlooked for that. I actually, I, I would argue that they have to be at least as competent as like somebody who wants to make an indie artistic drama, if not more so, because yeah. they have to solve in, like problems that like you Sweeping just frankly problems. don't have to solve if you're making a movie like Whiplash or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so I guess ultimately I'm not trying to throw shade on those types of films. There's just two different ways to skin beast i guess you know 100 yeah. yeah so i guess what i'm ultimately saying is that uh while we don't look there uh there is many gifts there and it's in a way harder to do because when i throw shade at let's say uh green grass and the editing cycle that we have all now become accustomed to when we watch scenes of it, like it should cut there, it should cut there has been sped up because of the lexicon of, and the grammar of film uh, has been imposed in a, on us through the zeitgeist, through picture after picture after picture and things that we say, this is what good cinema looks like. Uh, the modern version of that uh, is it's easier to do that. Uh, I think something like this is actually harder to do. And I think it's more deliberate and we should expect it a little more. Well, and like you always say uh, in private, usually with a corn cob pipe, <laughs> uh, you, it's not that you want them to do it the way you're saying, it's that you want them all to find their own way of doing it instead of sort of relying on this uniform standard, which yeah. now speeding things up through quick edits is doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, and the um, I think of the Walter Murch book, A Blink of an Eye, where he, having edited edited uh, Apocalypse Now, he counted the number of edits he made for that film, and then he watched when it came out when he wrote his book. Uh, the number one music video was "Hit Me Baby One More Time" by Britney Spears, and he's like, they have almost the same number of edits, so a three minute versus like a two hour film two hour plus so it's like okay there's a way in which you can inspect i'm not saying that fast editing is bad and slow editing is good that's not what this is about it's not about the numbers but what they do exhibit is a focus on a the trend itself is saying here's a crutch we can do we can do it in post we can build speed in post so let's not worry about it on the day as much let's just get many many shots that's fine you can build a thing around that but i don't know if it's i don't know if it's as intentional as crafting it from the beginning i mean it's no it's not speed, speed is surprisingly riveting given the fact that it's not being done at the green grass speed. You know what I mean? Like it, uh, it tells you that again, the thing that I always say, uh, while I beat my chest on my cork cob pipe, uh, which is like, uh, you cannot substitute in like anything for the emotional stakes of a scene, you know, like, like speed does such an excellent job of like, here are the stakes and, uh, here are the rules and everything about it is going to be uh is going to be all intense all the time and because like fundamentally we believe the emotional stakes it works i i do wish the villain had a slightly more cohesive motif uh not not visually narratively like i like his purposes are a little bit muddy uh and like for instance you keep calling him joker esque which he is uh, but he, but the Joker is always a little more consistent than this guy is. Like it's about money, but then it's not about money because it's really about making a statement. And it's, mm. it, I'd say that's a little bit of a flaw yeah. in the screenplay. But hey, man, I'm nitpicking. This is a really great movie. Uh, 
I, I would also... It's incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. I also kind of felt like the movie could have been over uh, without the subway altogether. Yeah, you know? but they give you two finales because that's speed, baby. That, right. That's actually the point where I was like, huh, I kind of feel like this might be detracting from... Uh, like the bus, the bus was like so satisfying and well thought out mm-hmm. that I didn't want the subway. Actually, uh, you know what I mean? It's only fifteen minutes. It's it's quick. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad about it or like Ugh, about it. I'm more just like, man, no, no one you've already won. Like when you take a yes and move on, you know? Yeah, I think movies uh, now are more aware of that. Like, uh, you see a lot of movies like Dread or The Raid. Uh, usually came from martial arts films yes. where you do um, a lot of like, hey, let's just get a guy or you know, gal and and throw him in a a building with a bunch of bad guys, and by the end of it, you done, you killed the bad guy. <laughs> you you got it. You got movied. Yeah, I could see a speed remake that's just the bus. Uh, I would not hate that. Uh, I might be just fine with that, to be honest with you problem is that it's like it's timeless like why remake it it it's good i don't know why you would rem- i don't know what we would get out of it but i do like that i i do like that it definitely feels like they went all in and did it like it's it it, it feels the same way the jurassic park felt it felt very much like we went we did everything right and we spent the money and we're bringing you this and it's like yeah you fucking did a hundred percent, you know, like they didn't try to cheat us or do any, or cut corners really. Yeah. You know, it really is a diehard. I know people don't see it that way because it doesn't, the setting isn't the same as diehard. It looks so much different, but it really is a diehard. I mean, but it is a diehard in the sense that instead of, instead of him being trapped in the building, the building is a bus and it's moving. Yeah. AKA awesome. You know, it, yeah, right, and it, it that's actually like more cons- confining, and they really delivered. Uh, and I didn't care about things like there's no way that bus could make that jump. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's just a fun. It's an romp. action movie on steroids. I mean, it's an action movie on steroids, but like that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. like it, it's not. It's not like and then laser sharks. Like it's <laughs> not doing that. You know, it's just like it could do that though. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, and I think it's. Honestly, I enjoyed it more than I don't know a lot of fucking action movies I've seen uh, recently. You know, uh, like I enjoyed it more than a Marvel movie I've seen in quite some time. Did yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, it knows um, exactly what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just old, uh, but like, I don't think every '90s action this is movie how is we good. Get old. I know. I don't. It's I don't fine. Think every 90s... You didn't need to fix it. I'm not old. I'm not old. <laughs> But in my defense, I just watched this movie three hours ago, so I've never seen it before. Uh, and sure, the sensibility might match my, you know, Gen X millennial cusper heart. But like, uh, I think that it's be- it's the simplicity of it and the excellence of the execution that makes it so satisfying. I really do. You know, it's the same reason I like Dread instantly. And Dread is like, you know, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Um and I instantly fucking liked it because it was like, this is well done. Yeah. Um, and it's simply executed, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that if you and I were to sit down and watch John Wick or something like that, uh, which maybe we should do, uh, John Wick, we're going to find like, there's a lot of really cool filmmaking at work there, which is probably why it works. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's, man, we put so much money in front of action movies you just want them to be good yeah uh that's a whole other time we 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 deserve uh a full hour honestly like i there might be a fun sort of like connect like coalescing director piece in which we both discuss the uh the art the artistry of action movies heck yeah heck yeah like that like as a as a genre uh because they they are that's like a lot of work, so I'm not promising it immediately. <laughs> but like that might be a, f- that might be a fun thing to do. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Maybe from a well, or maybe just from a specific decade or something, or maybe a specific genre or whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could see a bold defense for how The Rock is sneaky smart 
You know it's in Criterion Collection. That sounds right? like uh, an episode right there. All right, that's my theory on speed. That's it. That's it. Well done, sir. Good job. I loved it. Uh, and I think that's all we got. Uh, we we're spent. We we're you know the the we've we've off boarded. Yep. We're done. That's an episode, and hopefully you know how speed works now, visually. That's how speed works. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Well done, buddy. Thank you. Love you. This has been a Small Beans Endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!